Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 30th of March. The Easter travel plans of thousands of Australians have been thrown into chaos, with a number of states and territories closing their borders to Queensland as the state's COVID cluster continues to grow. Brisbane is now in its first full day of a three-day lockdown after four new cases of community transmission were recorded yesterday, bringing the total number to seven. Here's Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk. I know this is a really big call. I know it's very tough. We've got, we've got Easter coming up. We've got school holidays coming up. But let's do it now and let's do it right and let's see if we can come through at the other end. Experts will be keeping a very close eye on today's COVID numbers, with the number of exposure sites listed continuing to grow across Queensland and northern New South Wales. Two infected women, including a nurse who works in a COVID ward at a Brisbane hospital, travelled to Byron Bay over the weekend for a bachelorette party. Professor Raina McIntyre from the University of New South Wales has told the ABC, with Easter just days away, authorities cannot take any chances. This is the B117 UK variant which is anywhere up to more than even more than 100% more um, transmissible, 60 to 100% more transmissible. Victoria, Western Australia, South Australia and the Northern Territory have already shut their borders with the Greater Brisbane area. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian says she won't shut the state's borders yet but is warning people not to travel to Queensland. New South Wales is in a cautious position. We are not shutting down our border. Uh, in relation to Easter... We recommend people who were considering going to Greater Brisbane change your plans. And we'll have more details from our reporters shortly on how the border closures will affect each state and territory in the lead-up to Easter. Also making news this morning, Prime Minister Scott Morrison is facing significant backlash after announcing his Cabinet reshuffle. Christian Porter has been replaced by Michaelia Cash as Attorney-General and Peter Dutton will now be the new Defence Minister with Linda Reynolds, the head of the NDIS. The Prime Minister also announced a new Cabinet task force for women to be led by Maurice Payne. But Mr Morrison has come under fire for describing her as the Prime Minister for Women. Minister Payne will effectively become the leader of that group of women. Um, She is effectively, um, amongst her female colleagues, uh, the Prime Minister for Women, Uh, um, holding the prime ministerial responsibilities in this area as the Minister for Women. It is her job to bring together this great talent and experience across not just the female members of my Cabinet team and the outer ministry and executive, but to draw also in the important contributions, especially in areas such as health and services and aged care and other key important roles that go so much to women's wellbeing in this country. Overseas now, and the trial for the man accused of killing George Floyd is getting underway in the US. This morning, opening statements are set to begin as former police officer Derek Chauvin faces court charged with murder and manslaughter. The case sparked worldwide protests for the Black Lives Matter movement and the trial is being seen as one of the most important civil rights cases in a generation. Here's George Floyd's brother, Philanese, speaking on US TV this morning. We know that uh, this case, to us, is a slam dunk because... We know the video is the proof. That's all you need. 
uh, that God was knitting on my brother's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, a guy who was sworn in to protect. The trial is expected to last more than two weeks. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Tuesday morning and to Queensland first. And as we reported earlier, Greater Brisbane is now starting the first day of a hard three-day lockdown. The latest COVID cluster has sparked panic buying in the city with schools shut down and masks again now mandatory. Our reporter Eleanor Harrison-Dengate has more details. Thanks, Tash. As of 5pm yesterday, residents across Brisbane, Logan, Morton, Redlands and Ipswich are being urged to stay home as much as possible over the next three days. The only reasons to leave home are for grocery shopping, exercise, essential work or caring for vulnerable people. Despite pleas not to panic buy, supermarket shelves have been ripped bare of toilet paper and other essentials, a reminder that grocery stores will remain open during the lockdown. Masks are also now mandatory outside of the home, while schools within the lockdown area will be closed today but will remain open for children of essential workers. Cafes, pubs and restaurants will be open for takeaway service and roads out of Brisbane have been gridlocked with people trying to escape to the Gold and Sunshine Coasts. Meantime, WA has taken no chances, quickly shutting its border with Queensland overnight after the latest cluster. Our reporter Adam Hemmings has more from Perth. Tash, the hard border returned at midnight, elevating Queensland to a medium COVID risk. Those who enter WA from the Sunshine State are now required to self-isolate for 14 days and undergo regular testing. Premier Mark McGowan says only those with an exemption can head west from Queensland. Those people include Commonwealth officials, federal parliamentarians from Queensland, defence officials, and those people exempted for compassionate reasons. Now, the Premier says he understands it'll mess with the plans of many people, especially ahead of the Easter long weekend, but he says he needs to put the health of WA first. And Victoria has now shut its state border with Queensland. Local authorities also advising residents not to travel to northern New South Wales. Our reporter James Lake has more from Melbourne. Well, the timing couldn't be worse considering we still had border closures and lockdowns around the summer holidays. This Easter break may have been the first chance for many Victorians to get away on a family holiday in nearly a year. Either way, Victoria has now closed its border to Greater Brisbane overnight as the city went into a three-day snap lockdown. Victorians have also been advised not to travel to other parts of Queensland or Byron Bay. Any Victorians in Brisbane at the moment who do want to come home will need to apply for a permit or isolate for 14 days. The Prime Minister has also given the latest lockdowns his support to give health authorities in Queensland time to get on top of the outbreak. It's estimated one in seven Australians were expected to holiday in Queensland this Easter break. And South Australia has also acted quickly as the Queensland cluster grows, slamming its border shut. Sean Maynard, our reporter, has the latest from Adelaide. Well, it's a snap decision, but it's not one that's been taken lightly by the SA government. Travellers from Greater Brisbane can no longer enter South Australia, and this is a move that's thrown the plans of thousands of Easter travellers into chaos. The implications don't end there. Doubts also cast over the state government's plans to lift capacity in SA's pubs, restaurants and other venues from 12.01am on Wednesday. Now, the state's transition committee will decide today whether or not to stick with those plans. Premier Stephen Marshall admits the timing's not great, but necessary given the circumstances. We are extraordinarily concerned about the developing situation in Queensland. Only South Australian residents, essential workers and people permanently relocating for work uh, will be permitted into...
A meantime, Gold Coast have been cleared to play the Crows in the AFL game at Adelaide Oval on Good Friday. The Suns aren't directly impacted by the Brisbane ban, but they're catching a charter flight to Adelaide today anyway. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Now, very interestingly, some new advice from the Commonwealth Bank regarding businesses and the lockdown in Brisbane. Morning, Tash. Yeah, that's right. They're describing it as a setback. Look, this this is euphemism land to some degree. But remember, of course, yeah, JobKeeper's finishing this week. Terrible, terrible time for Brisbane businesses. I'm sure some of them are saying, look, we were going to try and make it through. Maybe we can't anymore. The good news, of course, with a three-day lockdown, according to the CBA, and I think they're right, is that most Brisbane businesses will say, okay, we've been here before, we can do it again. If it gets longer, we're in trouble, and that's the point the CBA is making. But a short shutdown, this setback, as they're calling it, should be okay, and most, if not all, businesses should be able to see themselves through this and at the other side. And talking about the CBA, we've spoken a number of times about the red-hot real estate market. Even over the weekend, some places were going $1 million above reserve. It's crazy. And the CBA has come out saying, you need to sell before you get into trouble. Yeah, crazy is the right term. Going for a million dollars used to be a lot. Now they go for a million dollars above reserve, which is a sign of the times. Yeah, and this is, look, this is responsible from CBA. They've been pretty clear through most of the property price rises. And frankly, you know, they've had their own trouble at the Royal Commission back in the day, as we know. In the most recent times, they've been pretty sanguine on this and pretty, um, yeah, pretty upfront with, with investors and with borrowers. And basically this time they're saying, look, if you're a property investor, if you think you might be under financial stress or going to be, now is the time to sell. And it's great financial advice generally, by the way, which is don't wait until you get in trouble. Act quickly, act in advance of that happening. And I think they're kind of saying to some of their customers, look, look around if you've got, particularly those who, who speculated in investment property, you know, maybe loaded up with three, four, five, six properties trying to make a buck. They're saying, look, you know what? Rates are going to go up. If your wage is in trouble, if you're going to get yourself in a little bit of financial you know, peril, uh, make sure you act early and now might be the time to sell to sort of lighten that load and de-risk your portfolio before you get trouble. Three or four properties. Most people can't afford their first one at the moment. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> now, regarding the banks, Westpac, it's a bit of a different story from these guys regarding the real estate market. Yeah, and this is kind of fascinating to watch play out. We should bookmark this particular episode, Tash, because <laughs> Westpac and, frankly, the financial regulator, but the regulators said, look, we're not going to take, we're not going to jump in here. We're not going to stop people borrowing just yet because in their view, they don't see lending standards deteriorating. So the regulators not worried about prices, but lending standards. And that's a different conversation. But Westpac effectively taking that as cover and saying, yeah, you know, we think APRA is right. We think the regulators got it right. We're not worried. Yeah, house prices are going up, but unit prices aren't. And by the way, the house price bump is just COVID. It'll be fine. Now, I've got to say, um, <laughs> it's one of those things you can take two views on this. Firstly, they might well be right. Secondly, though, if they're saying their house prices are up just because of COVID, what they're effectively saying is they're going to come back down, or at least mm. that growth is going to stop. So while they're saying don't worry, they are kind of belling the cat on what's happening with property prices, maybe why they're increasing in their view. But either way, I think, you know, Alison City is super, super, super careful here because prices are going through the roof. If you're playing that game, if the music stops, you don't want to be left without a share. It'd be very interesting to see if you see a flood of properties go onto the market because there's such a massive supply issue across the country. Totally. And also making news today in the finance and business world, Scott, uh, the trade war continues with China and now Australian winemakers. Uh, China's set to extend tariffs on wine for another five years. 
Yeah, now this is fascinating. So China's decided to extend tariffs. So they already had tariffs in place of 175%, which is, you know, pushes the price of your... You know, speaking of expensive housing, if you want to buy a bottle of grain in China, you're paying, you're paying a small fortune. Uh, that That is going to be another five years, apparently, at least at this stage. We know, of course, this is not a trade war. This is a geopolitical fight being played out using trade tools. China has, has put tariffs on probably, I think, nine or ten different Australian commodities to make a point to the Australian government that we're not towing the line... This is interesting, though, because winemakers have basically said, hey, we're going to circumvent all of this, go straight to the World Trade Organization, who in theory are going to make a ruling. Now, China may not follow it, of course, but politically, they'll make a ruling as to whether or not these tariffs are fair based on the, the rationale China is giving, which is that we're dumping Australian wines into China. If the WTO decides we're not, then China's got to try and work out how it still maintains this facade. And we all know it's a facade, but they haven't been able to... No one's come out and said, you know, this is definitely the case. If the WTO says there is no dumping, China has really no moral ground to stand on, and that does expose the fig leaf of this is just geopolitics writ large. Hopefully for Australian winemakers, it might make them reconsider. But uh, China's not exactly open to WTO rulings, and we'll see what happens after this. Watch with interest. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks, Tash. Now with Brett Thomason. Brett, as we know, the Brisbane lockdown is already causing plenty of problems for so many travellers and local residents, of course, and now it's causing issues for major sporting teams. Yes, good morning, Tash. Well, three of the four major football codes have been affected. Let's start with the big team in town, the Broncos, of course. 50 players and officials have relocated to Sydney. They left yesterday on a private flight uh, amid that lockdown, as you mentioned, with Victoria now declaring uh, Brisbane a red zone. Uh, That means that their Friday night clash, good Friday night clash with the Storm at Amy Park is in a little bit of doubt. The NRL weighing up whether that will be shifted from Melbourne to Sydney. They'll have to get more clarity from the Victorian government whether an exemption can be granted for the Broncos to fly into Victoria for that match and then potentially leave straight after. In terms of the AFL, well, the Lions have now flown reinforcements to Melbourne amid the lockdown back home. Darcy Gardner among four players will be isolated from the rest of the playing group until they return negative COVID tests. Skipper Dane Zorko says they're trying to keep their routine as normal as possible. I think we're just, yeah, taking what's available at the moment. It's sort of a bit of a spur of the moment thing. So they've had to go shopping. They've been uh, there now for five nights going back to last Thursday or last Friday night's clash with the, the Cats. They got there on Thursday, though. So they've been there for a number of nights now. Their match against Collingwood has been uh, rescheduled from the Gabba to Marvel Stadium. They might also stick around because they play the Bulldogs in Ballarat in round four. So almost no point going home. Uh, Now, in terms of Super Rugby, the Queensland Reds are affected uh, as well. They uh, remain stranded in Sydney. They're also due to uh, play in Melbourne this weekend. The Rebels on Saturday. Players and staff will need to have COVID tests. Their general manager, Sam Cordenley, says that that's no issue for them. These are pretty small sacrifices that that the sporting teams are making, you know, to ensure the competition carries on. Now, in terms of uh, the COVID situation, obviously it affects Greater Brisbane, not so much the Gold Coast. They haven't had a positive test for 11 months, but the AFL taking uh, uh, precautions with uh, the Suns. They'll fly out of the Gold Coast today to go to Adelaide early. They play the Crows uh, this weekend. And the Swans, the Sydney Swans who played the Lions in round one, even though that was a couple of weeks ago, uh, now they've also gone into isolation uh, again just as a precaution. Gosh, difficult couple of weeks ahead, Brett. And the NRL is weighing up introducing an 18th man as a concussion sub. 
And this has some qualified support from some of the game's biggest stars, as long as uh, the rule can't be exploited. So as you said, a concussion sub, we've seen uh, a spate of concussions uh, across the opening few rounds of the season. The game is so fast now, the collisions get even bigger. League legend Mark Guy says that he would actually go one step further than having an 18th man. I bring in an 18th and 19th man, purely for HIA. Look, the NRL is leading the world as far as identifying that concussion is a real deal. They should also lead the way in saying, okay, what we're going to do is an 18th man for every team who is there purely for concussions. So the ARL Commission will meet today, Tash, to discuss this issue. The AFL, of course, introducing a medical sub two days before its season got underway. I think it's great they're doing so much regarding concussion. And to cricket now, Brett Steve Smith has spoken about his interest in returning to the Australian captaincy. Yeah, this is across all the News Corp uh, papers this morning. Uh, he has spoken about this uh, a few times, but now he's declaring that he would be keen to become Australian captain once again. That's only if selectors want him to, of course. Now, he's still right behind the current Test captain, Tim Payne, and uh, the skipper of the one-day and T20 sides, Aaron Finch. And he will have no problem, he says, if he's overlooked down the track to replace one of those two men. But he is confident that he would be a better leader now than he was before the ball-tampering scandal. So he's open to it in the past. He wasn't, probably because of all the negative attention that would have surrounded it. But, um, yeah, if uh, the opportunity arises, then Steve Smith would take it with both hands. You'll miss out on the big job then, won't you, Brett? I will. (laughs) Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now for this Tuesday morning. Brisbane showered to expected with a top of 26, partly cloudy and 23 for Sydney today. Becoming sunny and a top of 20 for Melbourne, mostly sunny and 22 degrees for Canberra, 22 and partly cloudy for Hobart, a sunny 27, a beautiful day on the way for Adelaide today, mostly sunny and 29, the expected top for Perth and a possible shower or storm for Darwin and a warm 35 degrees. And we all need some good news at the moment. And in a monumental rescue operation, the massive cargo ship that has blocked the Suez Canal is finally free. The 400-metre-long vessel called Evergiven has been stuck for almost a week, blocking one of the world's busiest trade routes. After becoming lodged on a sandy bank, numerous rescue attempts have failed, holding up billions of dollars in transport goods, including oil and cattle. The massive operation saw a number of tugboats manage to pull Evergiven free, helped along with a high tide. It's estimated to cost more than $12 billion, with a backlog of transport vessels expected to take around 10 days to clear. Well done. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.